it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom Starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today we have session 13. We have a special guest to it with us today. I'm Dave Ahern, and I have Andrew Sather with us as always. And we're going to be talking to Steve today. Steve is from California, and he's got some great questions for us today. So without any further ado, Steve, why don't you go ahead and ask your first question? All right. So I just joined the uh, Andrews e-letter. And so I'm, I'm just jumping in. This is my first time doing any investing like this and any investing, really. And so I'm, I've got the, the list of stocks that he puts out each month. And I understand, you know, you can see when they, when he first added those to the portfolio, I think it's some of them are a couple of years ago, uh, all the way up to last month. And I'm just wondering um, how, how I would know if some of those stocks that have been purchased, say maybe a year ago or six months ago, if, if those are still a good investment, if they're a good choice, or do I need to go through like all the, the numbers that are in the, the, the ebook, I think it's called, you know, how you, cause I'm, you know, I work, I work full time. I got two kids. I'm really busy. And so I'm, I'm just sort of learning how to do evaluating the stocks, but I, I, I haven't obviously mastered it yet after two weeks of, of learning this system. And so I'm just wondering, is there a simple way to know if they're still a, a good investment or, or do I, do I need to wait until I've kind of mastered that, all those, those calculations? Yeah, well, I've got a, a good, nice, and easy answer for you. So that's the good news. Uh, first off, cool. yeah, hat tip for a fellow Californian. I bet it's beautiful out there right now. Basically, 
Pretty much. So if you look at the e-leather portfolio, you'll see all the positions out there. And like you said, it shows what day that I recommended it. And then I also show what the price was when I recommended it and then what the current price is now. So on that second to last column, you'll see a re return percentage. And that shows you how much the stock has returned uh, since recommendation. And so all the stocks that are going to be on there are going to be a hold unless unless a stock triggers a trailing stop or if I'm trying to take some profits, then we'll go ahead and activate a sell. But the majority of the time, all the positions are going to be a hold. And so what I would do if it was, you know, me starting over, trying to build a new portfolio, I would try to build these positions slowly over time. And if I was trying to maybe buy more than one position at a time, I would just look at the stocks that haven't appreciated yet as in like haven't made any significant gains so i'm looking at the portfolio right now many of the stocks that have really high gains you're going to want to stay want to stay away from because those not to say that they won't be great investments in the future but the main premise of the kind of investing that dave and i like to teach is buying stocks when they're trading at a discount to what they're really worth so although a lot of these stocks might still be at a discount if they've already seen an uptick in price you likely aren't getting as much of a discount and so with every single stock on here we're trying to get a discount any stock that hasn't really risen that much is likely still within that discount range so you know i've got stocks on here there's one up 31 percent 86 percent there's a 13 percent those you'll probably generally want to kind of stay away from see if they dip lower but i mean there's a stock on here that's down 0.8 percent and there's another one that's down nine percent so stocks like those are still going to be good buys today because they're trading at around the same price as when i recommended them and you know i'm i'm constantly reevaluating these stocks as new data comes out uh, i tend to do that at least once a year for many of these positions. So if I haven't triggered a sell and notified a sell on the e-leather issue, then you'll know that these stocks are still, they have a good premise of why they should be bought or hold or, or held, excuse me. So, I mean, there's, there's a couple in there, there's a, a good group of maybe three or four where the shares haven't really gone up too high in price and so they still make a good buy point. Okay, great. That's uh, that's sort of what I figured. Yeah, I noticed, you know, that one. Yeah, it's almost it's almost doubled in price, which which uh, is builds confidence in me that this is <laughs> a good one. But yeah, another another question about that too is, you know, I th I think you said something about this in a previous podcast. But like when I go to right now, I'm using Google Finance as sort of my general reference reference point and I'm starting to use Yahoo Finance because you guys have talked about that how they have those alerts that you can set but I'm just wondering like when they show that PE there that uh, price to earnings I think it is I think you've said that that's not a reliable it's not a reliable um, price to earnings so because I was looking like I was taking the ones from the e-letter and trying to trying to at least look at that part can you say something about that yep so really every financial website's going to have a different calculation for PE. And it's not that the data is really changing or anything like that, but a lot of the financial websites like to make that calculation based on forward projections of earnings instead of previous projections. So 
what Dave and I like to do is we really like to look at numbers that aren't likely to change. I mean, they're not going to change at all. So, for example, a company releases an annual report, which is it's 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 like the source of where all the websites get their information from. So a, a website like Yahoo or Google will be taking those earnings, but they won't be looking at the annual report per se. They'll be looking at analyst estimates. So basically because we, we know that the likelihood of estimates being accurate is really kind of off, um, that it's just such a... It's such a crapshoot when it comes to a lot of these estimates. Just turn on the the news or CNBC when it's earnings time, which actually coincidentally, as we record this, it's there's been a lot of companies like United uh, just recently released their earnings report. It was kind of funny because you know everybody talks about all the things that they've had happen to them lately with the guy getting dragged out, and I heard like a scorpion fell on a on a customer lately, and they came out with just apologies all throughout their earnings report and their conference call. So I thought that was, that was kind of funny, but the earnings reports, again, if you look at, if you look in the news, you'll see that they're missing on these estimates all the time. So when a website quotes a PE and and is using forward earnings, they're likely going to be misvaluing that. So other websites like Dave, I believe Finviz does reverse they do. They do 12-month trailing, right? Yeah. yeah, they do. So I guess it really depends on the company. And I say all this, and it's a lot of, <laughs> like I tend to do, uh, just barf out and puke out all this uh, sometimes irrelevant information. But the, so the PE you'll see on Google or Yahoo, it's not going to be 100% accurate. It will be within a certain range where you can kind of feel confident that okay, this is a good picture of where the PE is around. But every once in a while, you'll see a situation where analysts are completely wrong and that PE ends up getting really blown out of the water. So basically, as an investor, you have a couple options. If you're really looking to dig into the numbers and basically, if you want to find a PE and you're trying to use the PE to really pinpoint if you're going to buy a stock or not, and it's it's something that you're trying to get a a solid valuation on, then you're going to want to go to the source. You're going to want to go to the annual report and you're going to want to look at earnings that are already posted, real data, not data that's estimated. And so that's why we tend to use the the trailing PE. That's not to say that the PEs on Google Finance or Yahoo Finance aren't useful at all. I think in that situation, it can be a great thing for if you're just maybe trying to get ideas for companies or, or really in that initial stage where you're just trying to make general comparisons and see, for example, if a company like Amazon, I don't have Yahoo Finance pulled up right now, but I'm sure you pull up our whipping boy Amazon and you look at their PE base, even on the forward basis, it's probably really high. So a quick thing like that of putting Amazon into the Google Finance will show you that with such a high PE, there's no point in doing any research further. And so that's how that can really be a great tool as you're trying to learn. And, I, you know, you, Steve, you mentioned you just started like two weeks ago. So I'm really kind of throwing the fire on you when you're just trying to get a little flint going. I would just say don't worry too much about if the PE is using forward or trailing when you're just 
starting to wrap your head around it, but understand that later on, if you're really trying to get precise, that the Google Finance and the Yahoo Finance is a good starting point. And if you're the type of investor who really likes to dig in and get really specific, then that's when you're going to want to, I guess, graduate to the annual report. And I'd like to add a little something to what Andrew was saying, too. With the ratios that we talk about in, in our podcasts and the blogs that we write and the ebook that Andrew has written, those are, think of those as measures that you can use to compare it to other companies as well as a screening tool to find you know, companies that you would want to do more investigation into to, before you'd buy it. A PE ratio is a great place to start. It's a kind of an overall metric that can give you a, a kind of a snapshot of the financial help of the company. It would, I would never, ever recommend you buy a company strictly on just looking at that particular one thing because there's so many other things that are involved in buying a stock that, you know, could really trip you up and that could, you know, cause you a lot of problems. The, you know, like Andrew was saying, the websites, you know, are going to give you a good reference point, but, you know, and, you know, in your situation where you, you don't have a lot of time to really dig into the numbers at this point, then using those finance websites are going to be a good reference point for you to get started and to kind of get your feet wet and to understand how these ratios work and kind of use those as comparisons. I think the biggest thing, like Andrew was talking about, our, our good friends with Amazon, uh, and anybody out there, we really like the company, but we just don't want to invest in it. That being said, there you know use the ratios as a way of finding you know something else that you'd want to dig into. So you know if you look at Apple or if you look at Netflix or if you look at you know Google or Facebook or any of these other bigger companies that are well known, you can see a wide range of PEs. And as a value investor, we're always looking for ones that are going to sit in a certain range. And if we see ones that are outside of that range, then we move on from there. We just okay, that's too rich for my blood, so to speak, and we're going to move on. And so that's, I guess, the way I would look at using the PE ratio as well as the other ratios. You know, if there's a company you really like and you think it's a great, great investment, and you look at the PE ratio and it's way out of whack, maybe from what you've seen in the past, then that may be something you might want to investigate further. But if it's just too rich, it's just too expensive, yeah, move on. It's just, it's not worth it. Does that help? Hey, you. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that that's kind of what I gathered from, you know, what I've listened to so far and, and reading in the book. And I just, it, it all totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay, great. What's your, what's your next question? So another thing that I'm coming across is, so trying to evaluate some, you know, tr- try to find some other stocks on my own as I'm sort of using these, these measures, these metrics. I, I've, um, you know, and just being on the web and kind of, you know, exploring the whole world of, of stock investing and dividend investing, I've noticed some promotional sort of things, uh, you know, articles or, uh, you know, ads for these really high dividend stocks. And, you know, the, the one guy was advertising, you know, second income, and he's got like this list of of five stocks, and they're all I think I think they were all over ten percent uh, dividends. And but then I, when I dug into it a little bit, I noticed because Andrew, Andrew had mentioned something about you know sometimes you'll see these high dividend financial 
stocks. And so I, I did notice that, that, oh, okay, they're all financial type uh, companies. So I just wanted to just just hear, hear what you guys have to say about these really high dividend financial type companies. They're super risky or because I'm, I'm almost 50 now. So uh, and I'm kind of I've got a little tiny bit of retirement through my teaching job, but I'm definitely behind. So I'm trying to play catch up right now. And and so those those are appealing to me because I know that they could, in theory, um, return like income to me in, in, say, 10 or 15 years in retirement. So that that's why I'm interested in those. So just wondering, wondering uh, what you guys have to say about those really high interest financial companies. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, 
how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dave, age before beauty. <laughs> oh, rude. <laughs> well, Steve, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm actually 50, so I, I'm, I'm the oldest person in the room, so to speak. And, you know, I, I, I understand where you're coming from with, with those. I guess, so my thought is, is, you know, whenever I see a website or a blog or some advertisement that is advertising by these 10 stocks, you know, I always enter that realm with a bit of skepticism because I wonder, A, what's in it for them, and B, really, where where is this coming from? When you start seeing higher dividend yields like that, you know, you have to think about, you know, how kind of a dividend functions, first of all. A dividend functions as it's basically money that the company has decided not to use either to reinvest into the company, pay down debt, or other projects that they have, and they've decided to give it to the shareholders. So a 10% yield is is quite high. And so when you start thinking about that kind of ratio, and it depends on what the type of company is, too. So when you're talking about financial companies or whether you're talking about retail or whether you're talking about some other line of business, you know, they're all going to have general ranges that they're going to sit in as far as what's comfortable for them to continue to function and operate their business. So when you see a high dividend yield like that, you know, the first thing that pops into my head is where is that money coming from? Is it coming from operations of the business and they're just choosing to turn around and give it all back to us, which is, you know, obviously we would all love that. Or are they doing other things like financing it? Are they getting money from other sources other than operations of the business to pay that out? Or has the stock price dropped so much that the yield that they're still continuing to pay because they haven't changed their policy as as of yet is it's now the yield is a lot higher. So those are some things, those are some red flags or warning signs that would go off for me. The flip side of all this is you know, like you said, you're feeling like you're, you know, playing catch up and you're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. So you're looking for higher yields on things like that. There are other options out there in the the world that of investing that you can get into that will have higher yields, but will still be safe and, and safe investments because, you know, nobody wants you to go out and run out and chase yield looking for these really high paying dividend stocks and then have the the company go bankrupt. I mean, Andrew has a whole system that he's built that helps you find these kinds of companies that will talk about that specific thing. And, you know, it's a great resource to have, and I've used it as well. And I guess the, other, the, the thing I'm trying to drive at with this is that, you know, I would be very, very wary of those kinds of companies. You know, there are companies, there are stocks that do pay high dividends besides dividend aristocrats who are you know, great companies to invest in. They're not going to have the yields that you're going to see like that, but you can look, you can look at REITs. Uh, you know, I'm not super familiar with REITs. I'll be honest with you. I've done some research on them. 
and it's not an area of expertise that I feel comfortable talking extensively about, but I do know that there are great buys in REITs, and you know there's a lot of different metrics you have to look at that are a little bit different than, say, looking at Wells Fargo or looking at Walmart. But, uh, you know, I guess my point with all that is, is that there are options out there, you know, the websites and those kinds of things. I would be very, very wary of those, you know, do your research before you buy anything like that. I would never just take it on the word of some guy that's written, you know, 27 words about a company that he's not really done any research on. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's kind of what I suspected. And I mean, the nice thing is that, you know, having Andrew's system, I can always if I'm, you know, if I'm nervous or not sure that I can always go back and, and get that annual report. And, uh, I haven't fully evaluated an annual report. I kind of, my head started to spin a little bit when I was trying to do it. <laughs> and, yeah, it, uh, it happens. Don't worry. Yeah. You know? And so that was like, okay, I'm just going to subscribe to the, the e-letter, you know, and start there and then work my way like over time, you know, it's like, I'm not going to get educated all in two weeks, so I've got to give myself no. some time to learn. And yes, um, yeah, and I did. I did find I was. I've also been um, looking at. I think it's Ben Reynolds' site. I, I learned about him on the podcast, and he, yeah, he had um, he had some options that are higher, higher, uh, higher dividends. And one, and one of them it, that was another question I had about is those REITs. So, so I'm glad to hear that you you do think that they're those those are possibly a good idea to look into yeah let me let me say something about the REITs so yeah. if you look back at my previous issue I had which by the way if you subscribe to the e-leather you'll get a copy of every single back issue I've ever written so if you look back at the May 2016 issue that issue had a actually a REIT that I recommended and basically when it comes down to REITs, and this is going to apply to the, the same kind of thing when you talk about stocks with high dividends and yields at 10% or above, it's not so much the yield that we really need to focus on. It's the aspects around the yield. So Dave brought up a great point. Is the dividend coming from operations? If operations is strong, if the core of the business is strong, then we can be fairly confident that the dividend should continue to be paid out and that the company won't go into too much debt to pay it out. Another way to kind of evaluate that is to look at a long-term picture and see, which I've mentioned in probably the past three issues that um, have been published, has been this really big focus on really looking at the very long term. So, the last thing you're going to want to look for, you know, make sure the core business is solid, make sure over the long term things are progressing in the right way. Because, you know, guess what? You buy a company that is yielding 10%, you might get a great first year dividend. But if that's in a declining business and a declining industry, or, you know, a company that's just piling on debt and is setting themselves up for financial Armageddon, you're sure you might get that 10% payment up front, but if your stock loses 25% within a year, which is the types of things that I'm always trying to actively avoid and why the focus is so much on limiting downside risk, then you know suddenly you're in a really a much more terrible spot than if you would have just bought some boring, slow, consistent company that sure maybe it's only paying 1% dividend, but look, that dividend's growing over time, you're collecting shares over time, and 
likely not losing 25% in a year like some other more risky business. So the last thing also you're going to want to try to look for is if a company has a high dividend yield, it could be a good indicator if the share price has been unfairly if it's unfairly dropped and if the market's really been unfairly pessimistic about it as a stock price drops that yield naturally becomes higher because it's it's just that dividend only changes once a year but the stock price can fluctuate all throughout the year so if you're coming into a time period where the the stock is just going through a three or six month rough patch that yield could be really high at that situation and so maybe in that case actually buying at that high yield could be a great thing and i know particularly when you talk about ben reynolds and we've had him on and he's been a friend of mine for for a good amount of time and i i like everything he's doing at sure dividend i know he combines he looks at things like the core business a big thing he also looks at is to make sure that he's getting a stock at a good price and so that's kind of goes back to everything we all we always try to teach is that you're going to want to buy at a, a discount to intrinsic value keep in mind that uh, uh i don't know you know what kind of advertisements competitors are kind of trying to push on people i know a lot of it can be hypey and it's really there's so much out there that you can't honestly or sanely keep up with it all but there there i'm sure there's a great deal of those 10% yielding stocks that either are really really expensive and you know completely overvalued or even might be losing money and just propping the dividend up through debt and so that's why you want to take a complete picture want to make sure everything's in place and as Ben Dave and I like to do buy at a price that is favorable for yourself so when you're buying a company that has that 3 month 6 month kind of pessimistic short term little stumble that naturally results in companies that are more more attractively valued and more attractively priced and likely have a greater discount to their intrinsic value which in turn has a greater probability than not to give us nice returns and that's kind of where the whole premise of value investing starts and ends now one more thing about REITs to understand is that by law they're required to pay a majority of their earnings out as a dividend so the kind of consistent dividend growth you see from most other dividend payers the dividend aristocrats companies like that those REITs aren't going to have that same steady consistent growing dividend stream because since the amount of dividend is mandated then earnings aren't going to perfectly grow for almost all cases so earnings fluctuate throughout the years as the economy fluctuates as consumer trends fluctuate and so that dividend payment will fluctuate as well so keep in mind that the difference between a REIT and a regular stock is that a REIT's going to pay i don't know what the exact percentage is i, I don't know if it's I believe it's, I think it's i believe it's 90 percent. 90 percent. yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. So keep that in mind that that's going to fluctuate every single year. So if, if you're kind of screening for stocks that are consecutively growing year after year after year, it's, they're likely not going to have that kind of a history. 
So you're going to want to put less of an emphasis on like things like the payout ratio, which we talked about two episodes ago. You know, it's fixed at at, at a point nine, so don't look at that. Um, but you're really going to want to, in a way, be more stringent about everything else because you have to understand that the earnings can really fluctuate, which will, which could potentially mean if if you're getting a, a re at ten percent now, you could just be buying it at a really good year and next year it could be like a 2% yield. So you don't you won't see that in a non-REIT stock if that makes sense. It's 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 helpful for sure. It's not it doesn't make total sense, but what what does really make sense what you said is that, you know, especially with the last bubble, the housing bubble that burst, you know, the last recession that if it's it's a real estate company, right? So that if if we like I'm noticing the prices out here in California are starting to go through the roof again. And so if we had, it sounds like you're saying if we had another real estate bubble burst or, or a big decline or if the, you know, if the economy went down again, that, 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 that could, it could be more volatile, I guess, or you're saying fluctuate more. Yeah, I guess from like a, a yield perspective, like the actual dividend you're getting paid out because in a regular stock, it's very rare for a company to cut their dividend. They'll usually either maintain it or make it grow, whereas a REIT is just going to be all over the place. Okay, cool. So that that it just sounds like it shouldn't be like it should be just a piece of the portfolio. Like that, like diversification would be. You don't want to be like a hundred percent or fifty percent in REITs. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it would depend too, like how many opportunities are out there. I'm I'm honestly finding it's harder to find opportunities in REITs just because, I mean, if you even take an outside of the stock market look at, I guess, real estate in general, it tends to be the type of people who like to use leverage and debt tend to gravitate towards that space. So a lot of the REITs themselves carry with them a lot of debt, which, as we all know, that creates a lot of risk. So sometimes it can be hard to find a good REIT that gives you low enough risk to make up for, you know, uh, to make up for everything else and, and to make it an attractive stock purchase. Um, like you said, yeah, you definitely don't want to be 100% REITs in the same way you don't want to be 100% oil stocks. Yeah, that makes sense. Like in Ben, uh, I subscribed to Ben's newsletter too, and he just had, I think, one in there because he has that retirement letter that that is you know higher dividend stocks and he just had the one uh one reit i think out of all of them and actually they were mostly in the petroleum industry which um which i'm not investing in right now for like moral reasons and so and so that was disappointing a little bit but but i i understand i understand what you're saying about that and you know and that leads to kind of my my next question that i i'm having is you know um so as I'm collecting information online and just you know hearing you guys talk, I'm I'm still not understanding actually how the rate the dividend percentage equal uh, equates into like dividend payments that we receive as stockholders. Could you explain kind of how that like is it based on how many stocks you have? It's a set amount, or is it based on the earnings of the company? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I mean, you're, so you're talking about the yield percentage. Or the dividend number. Uh, well, that's the part I'm confused about. Like I see, you know, like when you when you let's see. Okay, so on 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 your e letter it says dividends, 
it, and it has like a dollar amount. And then I know that when you look up a stock, like 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 if it's listed in Ben's list or something, it'll have you know the company and then the dividend percentage next to it. So I'm wondering how that percentage that they pay in dividends equates to actual income for the stockholder. So. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, it comes down to how many shares you buy. So, so if let's say a stock, let's make a real simple, a stock's trading at a hundred dollars. Uh, we're going to invest a hundred dollars. So we buy one share and the yield is 3%. So that means it's going to pay out a dividend of 3% of 100. So that's $3. So, I mean, if we had like 10 shares, we would get 30, $30 in dividends every year. If we have just one share, we're getting $3 in dividends every year. That's uh, 3%. So uh, it, it really, obviously, every situation is going to be different. Every stock buy individually is going to be different. That yield percentage is going to change every day on Google Finance or, or Yahoo Finance. But the, the basic premise of it is that you're going to buy a stock and you're going to spend however much money on it as you want to invest. And you can, you can basically reasonably expect that you'll get whatever that yield is paid to you for that year. So, I mean, if, if the yield's 4% and you're buying $500 worth of stock, you're going to get 4% of that $500 paid back to you. Whether the stocks, doesn't matter if the stock's trading at $2 a share or $20 a share, you're still going to get 4% of 500 because you're either, you know, if the stock's at $2 a share, you're buying a lot more shares to make it to 500. If the stock's at $20 a share, you're going to buy less shares. But in the end, it's going to be the same because uh, the, the percentage is there. So like, to answer the second part of your question about the dividend column that I have, that's a little bit different because I'm tracking the portfolio every single month and updating it every month. So the current price is changing every month. And so the dividend column that you see is how many dividends I've received as long as I've held the stock. So like um, the top company on there has 39 cents in dividends. And it's one of the lower dividend paying stocks, but I've held it since 2014. So that means I collected dividends in 2015, 2016, and the first quarter of 2017. So for every dividend I collected, I added it to the dividend column. So it's now at like 39 cents. Basically that, that I know it's kind of confusing over, over the airwaves, if you will, but that that dividend columns is calculated based on as if you were to buy one share. So I know some of the some of the stocks are like trading at like twelve dollars. One, you know, another one's trading at like a hundred dollars. So they're gonna have more or less dividends paid out based on that. But as an investor, I guess the yield would be more important for you because that's more personalized to however much you're investing and it's not going to care whether the price is at 100 or at 12. In the case of my e-leather table and the portfolio as it's presented, it's because I'm doing the calculations on one share, it's taking, 
I mean, you could you could just ignore the dividend column and just look at the return percentage to the right of it, and that's going to tell you what the overall return is. It's it's giving the difference between what the price is now to what the price was when I recommended it, plus whatever dividends I've collected along the way, and that's going to give you the percentage. That dividend column there is for people who just want to track on their own and see that number grow over time. But if you, I mean, take that that first percentage, I guess you could say, if I divide 39 cents by the initial 108, it's about a 0.3%. So you can always calculate the yield and you can calculate how much yield you've collected along the way. Or you can just, so that that's basically what I'm trying to do with, with the e-letter is show how many dividends have been collected over time. And then from there, you can do a calculation to see how much of that's really contributing to the overall return. And so in reality, if you're reinvesting the dividend over time, then you're actually collecting more shares and then earning more dividends on those shares. So your results are actually probably going to be higher as time goes on. There's, I guess, a million different ways to track it. And... The, the core concept you're going to want to take home is that if it's a percentage, it's talking about the percentage of however much you want to invest. Generally, if, if a website's talking about a, a dividend paid, like as in uh, $2 or $0.30 cents or $0.25, cents, they're almost 100% going to be talking about how, many, how much in dividends they're paying per share. So... I hope that helps. Yeah, that's helpful. I'm just, and I'm not trying to track it exactly. I know that's kind of crazy at this point, but I'm just wondering if, if it's more important to the dividend payout to the to the to the shareholder, is it more important the price of the stock, or the the earnings of the company? And what do you mean in what way? Like like, like. how much you end up getting, like how much the stockholders get. Uh, uh, the shareholders get each year is it is it more important that the the company's making money from their business operations uh, like their their profits or is it based on the stock price the trading price you're gonna hate my answer because it's a little bit of both that's fine <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just uh, hoping there might was maybe a really simple answer but if there's not then I don't, I'm not even gonna worry about it right now Okay. Yeah, that's why we go back to what we were talking about earlier with the whole complete picture thing. You could have a great opportunity just because the stock is cheap, or you could have a great opportunity because the business is doing well, or it could be a combination of both. So kind of the way that we like to do this, Steve, is, you know, we're here to help you. So if you have any questions, you know, in the future, or if there's anything else we can do to help you with any of this, you know, do not hesitate to reach out to Andrew or myself. We're happy to help you in any way that we can. Well, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. It's nice to uh, it's nice to have that that option. Yeah. Well, you know, just I just remember this: you're not alone. You're not doing this by yourself. We're all here to help you, and we all have to learn somewhere, and we all have to start somewhere. And you asked some great questions today, and you're you're on the right path. You know, I, I applaud you for doing what you're doing, and I I wish more people would come to this realization and and realize that this could be a great thing for them. Yes. Glad to finally have found it. <laughs> all right well with that all right folks well that's going to wrap it up for us today thank you very much for taking the time to listen we hope you enjoyed uh, steve asked some great questions today smart guy and we really appreciate him taking the time to talk to us today 
If you have any questions you'd like to talk to us about on the air, please let us know. We'd love to have you on. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign out. All right, you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.